the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. We know that from Scripture, we are made in the very image of God and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you look at these connections and wonder to yourself just how deep do they go? And by that I mean, when we talk about our relationship with God, we certainly understand it, we relate to it on the spiritual plane, but does it go deeper than that? Journalist Rob Mole joins us now. He's written a new book called What Your Body Knows About God, How We Are Designed to Connect, Serve, and Thrive. He has written uh, extensively on this topic. Um, particularly related to health and health care issues. He's also editor-at-large with Christianity Today. You've also read his work, no doubt, in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere. And he serves as communications officer to the president of World Vision. And, Rob, great to have you on the program. Well, thank you, Craig. It's great to be here. You know, it would seem at a certain level that the notion of there being a deeper connectivity with God would be a logical one. I mean, given the fact that he uh, breathed very life into us and that we are made in his image. That's right. That's exactly where I was about to go, was to talk about that image in Genesis where God forms the human being, forms Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathes into him the breath of life. So certainly we are spirit and flesh and our faith, our spirituality, our connections to God do not are not do not just exist in a kind of ethereal plane, but they they go down to into who we are as as uh, physical beings, as uh, part of God's good creation. There have been some interesting studies done, and we frequently heard this from physicians, and not those with an agenda. And I put that disclaimer in there because some eavesdropping on our conversation tonight, Rob might say, well, yeah, sure, these are Christian doctors, so they're trying to prove a point. No, physicians who, who make no claim to any sort of uh, religious affiliation whatsoever, but will say that they notice something unique and different about the patients who are praying patients, and that is that the recovery rates seem to be better survival rates following uh, significant surgeries, things of this sort seem to be better. Attitudes seem to be better. There seems to be a marked connectivity between the health of one's body and one's relationship or connectivity to God. In any of your research, have you seen that borne out in any sort of a, a deeper scientific fashion? 
Well, you know, a survey of uh, HMO executives found that 94% of them believe that prayer helps medical treatment and speeds recovery of patients. Uh, something like 80% or higher of uh, doctors say the same thing. Uh, I think that the, these people, you know, and I was a, I was a hospice volunteer myself, and and. It, you don't you don't get around people who are dealing with physical illnesses who aren't also in search of um, in search of something greater, and those who have that connection uh, connection to God who are able to um, draw on that uh, deep well of faith. They're able to. They're able to often deal with those illnesses in a much more productive way, and often that means that uh, literally you can measure their immune systems, and that has an effect. They're they're able to respond to disease in healthier ways. People who go to church tend to tend to live longer. People who um, are engaged in spiritual practices do. One researcher at uh, Duke University found, or he estimated that. The effects of not going to church, uh, the effects of the lack of spiritual, uh, lack of uh, spiritual involvement, was a- as unhealthy for people as smoking a pack of cigarettes every day for forty years. Wow. Now we we certainly can can talk about connectivity uh, of, of the body's positive reaction to positive experiences. There are experiences that help to release serotonin, and we feel better. We have a sense of being uplifted. Things of of this sort. Have we seen some scientific connection then in that arena in terms of um, involvement in spiritual life? I'm talking about things like prayer, like praise and worship. I mean, I would imagine if from a biblical perspective, we are designed, created in his image and to serve and worship him, that it would almost uh, go without saying that the body would have some kind of a mechanism that, uh, that positively reacts when we're connecting with God at that level. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the newest and among the most successful treatments of people with depression is prayer simple prayer. Uh, now, that doesn't mean uh, pray a few times and, and Jesus will heal you uh, right away, but it does mean that, you know, we tend to go immediately to the, the sort of pharmaceutical uh, uh, area in order to treat these things, but uh, one of the most common prescriptions now is for people to to turn to prayer, and it's effective, uh, and it works, and it works because prayer is literally healthy for your brain. It's good for your brain for you to be engaged in a spiritual pursuit, uh, gaining a sense of purpose and meaning in your life. Uh, it's healthy for your brain to be contemplating God and spend some time uh, meditating over Scripture. Spend some time thinking of all that uh, Jesus, uh, especially at this time of year, who came to to uh, be a human being on our earth. We can consider all the things that he did. He did, and when we spend some time in that sort of contemplation, it's incredibly healthy for our brain. Have scientists taken the time 
Rob, to um, uh, to watch the way the brain reacts or responds to, um, for example, a praise and worship experience. I know that when I go into church and there is a, a rousing time of praise and worship, um, it, it, it uplifts your spirit, whatever troubles that you might have carried into the church with you from the week behind you uh, seem to just sort of melt away, and, and you, you definitely feel as if you've made a connection with God. I would wonder if scientists have ever taken the time to be able to study the brain and see what's going on at that time when people are experiencing that, that worshipful connection with God. Yeah, they sure have. And uh, one study uh, almost jokingly said uh, when people are in worship, it's as though they're uh, addicted to drugs. Uh, one of the natural brain chemicals is oxytocin, and uh, heroin actually mimics that. Uh, and so you get, a, in a sense, according to uh, the researchers, um, you get a sense of this spiritual high. You are... Um, you're with all of these people. There's a there's a social aspect there. Uh, you're with people that you know, people that you care about, people that you see week to week, maybe throughout the week, and that gives you a sense of uh, th- this uh, social uplift. And then connecting to connecting to God in in that kind of environment, it's a unique thing. And and uh, one of the ways that our brains are involved is through the through the production and reception of oxytocin. Uh, it's a it's a normal uh, brain chemical that helps us to to sort of feel uplifted. And um, and that seems to be one way that that. Our brains are designed to have that special feeling of connection to God. You know, God works in the, through physical means all all the time when He works in our lives, and in that moment, uh, that uh, that uh, little boost of oxytocin is one of those ways. Yeah, it's interesting. During this holiday season, so often we hear reports of people getting uh, deeper in depression. They maybe have lost a loved one during this time of the year, so it's a, it's a difficult time for them. We see higher rates of suicide amongst individuals during the holiday season. What a wonderful message of encouragement for people to understand that a relationship with Jesus Christ goes uh, well beyond not just God's concern for our our relationship to him and the afterlife, but even God's concern toward how we are doing here on earth in the here and now, and that the benefits of that personal one-on-one relationship with him go so deep and as so, so wonderfully connected that it can change and elevate even our mood and, and uh, the way we feel about ourselves. With us today is Rob Mole. His book is called What Your Body Knows About God, How We Are Designed to Connect, Serve, and Thrive. We'll take a time out, come back to more of our visit as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Think for a moment about the feelings that you first had when you first met your spouse, for example. Uh, there, there was something that happened deep inside of you. There was a connectivity that occurred. We are wired for intimacy, and our bodies react to it when it when it's right. It stands to reason, therefore, that in that same sense in which 
the physical part of us reacts to uh, a loved one, there is that same sense of the way in which our body reacts to intimacy with God. We are, after all, created in very God's image. I've always been fascinated by the passage early on in Jeremiah where God speaks of having known Jeremiah while he was yet in his mother's womb. And so with that thought in mind, we're exploring this topic today of what our body knows about God. And with us today is uh, author and journalist uh, Rob Mole. And, and Rob, toward that end, I guess it stands to reason as much as we, we see that wonderful release of all those positive chemicals that go on in the brain when we're when we're close to our, uh, our spouse, when we're intimate with our spouse, same thing is true then, I guess, of God. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, when when researchers put uh, put someone into a, a brain scanner, it seems kind of sacrilegious to stick someone into a, a big machine and then and then tell them to pray. But we can find out some really interesting things when when that happens. And one of the interesting things is that the brain is working in this in this unique way. It's uh, different than if you were having another kind of emotional experience. So they looked at people remembering uh, fond uh, fond memories of uh, of friendship, feeling perhaps even the closest sorts of friendships that they've ever had and remembering special moments and and then they looked at those people remembering special moments with God and what that looked like in the brain and and they're actually really different things the brains doing something different but not something unusual or not something that the brain isn't designed to do uh, and one of the fascinating things is as we as we get closer to God and as we use our brain in this way to contemplate and, and meditate and pray to God, the brain is actually enhancing its, uh, its senses of compassion, sort of the brain muscles around compassion and social awareness. So as we as we grow in our love for god we actually grow in our love for other people so as you as you mentioned you know as we connect with people we're also connecting with god as we connect with god we're also connecting with people when you were writing this book in the middle of this project um your wife went through a pretty difficult experience um which i i guess made aspects of of this book a little bit Challenging. Talk to us about what was going on with your wife, uh, Clarissa. Yeah. We were about six weeks after the birth of our child, and, and Clarissa started having panic attacks. I'd never seen someone with a panic attack before, but it's a, it's a frightening thing. Uh, this overpowering sense of uh, a sense of uh, that you're going to die. This sense of something is drastically wrong. Um, I need to, uh, uh, you know, my, my my life is unraveling. Uh, my world is unraveling, and I'm going to die any minute. Uh, it's a it's it's actually a horrible thing to witness, and. This was going on over and over and over again, and what we found as we as we uh, sought help and, and talked to people and talked to experts was it's actually uh, not unusual for someone after after birth to go through a post postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. Uh, so, what one of the things that was happening was that the levels of neurochemicals that she was able to use 
neurochemicals like we've talked about, serotonin and, and oxytocin and things like that, were at a really, really low level. So she she wasn't able to, to function properly. And what I what I what the challenge for me as I'm writing this book and writing about the the glorious design of our bodies to be able to worship God and to and to love others was that here the you know in this sort of miraculous moment of of birth and welcoming new life into the world uh, we're also dealing with uh, my wife's body that had gone so drastically wrong uh, and i had to i had to find i had to seek some answers around well, how are we what what am i supposed to think about especially if i'm going to continue writing this book what am i supposed to think about our bodies design when they go wrong. How am I supposed to think about God and suffering? And and these were these were pretty tough questions for a while. Digging into that, and I think it was important for the integrity of the book to do so. Uh, what were some of the conclusions that you were able to draw for yourself? Well, you know, you look at you look at scripture, and uh, especially at Job, and God doesn't really give Job a a terrific answer when he when he wants to know why he went through this suffering. Uh, God essentially answers, "I'm God," <laughs> um, and and one of the things that we see in Jesus is that uh, even Jesus suffers. Uh, and not so much that that uh, God gives us an answer or, or the kind of explanation that we are seeking when we ask God about suffering, but but we see that Jesus has suffered with us. And so, as I looked, in, you know, in the in the physiology and the biology, what what is what are we supposed to? How do we make sense of this? One thing I found was that one of the healthiest things that we can do when we are suffering is actually to help other people. Uh, I talked to somebody who had gone through a similar experience, panic attacks, and uh, and he went to a, a Christian psychologist. Uh, not knowing that this this woman was Christian, and she said, "Okay, your your path back to hell to health is going to be to help people." And she gave him a task every Monday. She she gave him a task of, uh, you know, go to the soup kitchen, uh, help someone across the street, do these very um, very mundane but very important actions of helping another person. And that was actually his route back to health. Uh, so our bodies are designed uh, to to be helping other people to respond to suffering, and I think that that's that was the answer for me that uh, when when humans were suffering alienation to from God, He sent His Son to die for us uh, in response, and and when when we are suffering and when we see others suffering, we're designed to respond and and alleviate that help alleviate that pain. We will find individuals that will, for example, during this time of year, uh, during the holidays, uh, suffer from one form or another of depression that in more extreme forms can certainly lead to panic attacks similar to what uh, your wife is experiencing in a postpartum 
basis, and it's fascinating to note how often, as you suggest, that just the very idea of getting the focus off of how you're feeling and your experience and focusing on somebody else whose circumstances or needs are, are, are bigger or more severe, how that can entirely change your outlook, and suddenly you realize, wait a minute, I'm here doing all of this and engaged in helping this person, and I'm no longer feeling depressed. I, I'm, I'm no longer having to deal with the panic attacks. And it's amazing to see the way God sort of builds into our system this ability to, to do unto others that oftentimes times be a form of worship as well. And in doing so, all of a sudden, the body has a way of, of healing itself, doesn't it? That's right. You know, one of the one of the interesting things uh, of research recently is that you know mental health is uh, you, your mental health is best when you're not really thinking about yourself. Um, when, as C.S. Lewis talks about, you can't go around uh, looking for how can I experience joy today. Uh, you experience joy when you're finding joy in the things that you do, uh, and in the same way, mental health. Um, you know, we are healthier as people when we are engaged, when we are concerned not for ourselves, uh, but for those around us, those who we care about, those that we are living our lives with, our family members, our friends, uh, those those in our church communities, uh, the people at work. That's really where we find meaning and purpose and then therefore a healthy life. Rob Mole, the book called What Your Body Knows About God, How We're Designed to Connect, Serve, and Thrive. Rob, thanks so much for the insights. The book, by the way, published by InterVarsity Press. You'll find it at Bay Area Christian Bookstores. Great holiday gift. Also through Amazon.com. Thanks again to uh, Rob Mole for being with us. Details, too, about his work on the web at com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. America's at war right now. We, we forget this. Uh, we don't, for many of us, we, we, we're not aware of it. It's kind of silently going on in the background. We don't feel the pain of it because we either don't know anybody who's serving or, you know, we, we don't do things like you know, aluminum and tire drives and there, there isn't meat and sugar rationing. So we're not really aware of the sacrifice that's involved in military duty. But for those military families in America, hundreds of thousands of them, they know what it's like each and every single day. And we thought we'd spend some time just kind of educating all of us on on what they go through and the amazing sacrifice, not just on the battlefield, but even back at home, uh, on the home front. Uh, with a mother or a father or both sometimes and kids that that are that are at home kind of keeping the, the the home fires burning so to speak while mom or dad are overseas uh, in in service to our country joining me now is lieutenant colonel tony monetti um, he with his wife Peggy penny rather are uh, authors of a new book called call to serve encouragement support and inspiration for military Families and uh, Lieutenant Bonetti and Penny, great to have both of you with us. 
Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Great to be on board. We were we were trying to debate uh, ahead of the conversation today, uh, Tony. Um, short for your position, is it lieutenant? Is it colonel? Or 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 would military decorum insist it be lieutenant uh, colonel? Just call me Tony, but I'm a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. In the Air Force, okay. But typically, there's no way to really truncate that, is there? No, not really. Lieutenant Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel. We'll go with Tony. I like that. Tony's it's easier. fine, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Talk- originally from Brooklyn, New York, so, you know... Um- Tony makes me feel like I'm back home. There you go. All right. Well, well, Tony, talk to us a bit first, if you would, about the reality check here that a lot of, I think, families who are beginning the experience of military duty, they might either be newly married or newly into the military, and even for the rest of us out there that really don't understand what your families go through. Yeah, for those of you that are just joining uh, the military and for those of you who have no clue on what it's like to be in the military, um, I'm glad to talk to you a little bit about Call to Serve and, and what it's like. Uh, I've had the privilege to serve in America for almost 24 years now as an officer in the United States Air Force, and uh, I can just tell you that it's a privilege and an honor to be part of the military. Um, but it's also really exciting and uh you know, lots of new changes every day uh, as far as, you know, what you may or may not be doing. I mean, I've, I've been called to serve and, and gone overseas on moment's notice, and next thing I know, I'm in a foreign country, and, and, and it's exciting. But there's also a lot of transitions and challenges that we have to uh, uh, take part of, especially for our families. And that's and I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, for example, my oldest son, Nico, who right now just graduated from Chapman from in L.A., uh, he he went to three different high schools, you know, in, in three years. And for those of us that have been to high school, you know how tough it is to move once and to let alone three times. So, yeah, you know, it, it take, gets them getting used to lots of moves, lots of transitions. But overall, uh, we have a heart for service to America, and, and we just find it it's a privilege and an honor to serve her. It was interesting because some of us on the outside that that are not involved in active military duty or perhaps have never been a part of a military family uh, see the excitement, the glamour, you know, that you're traveling and you're doing all of this. And, and, you know, and a lot of it, no doubt, is born out of the television ads that we see, you know, the recruitment ads and so forth, but not really realizing that there's a backside story to this. That is difficult. That is painful at times. That certainly is is challenging. I guess when you get on the backside of it, uh, a lot of those those initially painful and frustrating moments turn into 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 joyful ones on the backside. I, I Penny, yeah. I had to laugh in in reading your story. Uh, you got uh, to talking about um, when you guys were called to uh, uh, Vicenza in in northeast Italy, and you're. <laughs> Your initial experiences there, um, which I don't know if you're back. Let me go home to America. (laughs) (laughs) I I know. Obviously, Tony's background is Italian. Are you of Italian descent as well? No, I'm not. And I I thought I knew Italian until I put my feet on foreign soil in Italy and realized how fast they talk. So (laughs) (laughs) it was... You know, it it was such an eye-opening experience going to another country, and I, I wish everybody in the in America has the experience of living in another country at least for uh, a month to to realize um, how great it is in America. But when when we went there, uh, 
our initial, you know, when we first landed there, the um, I, I tell the story about being in uh, at a fountain and uh, hearing the the kerplunks and the of coins going into a fountain. And as I toss my coins and I make sure they missed because the legend of the Trevi Fountain is that when you throw the coin into the fountain, you'll return to You'll Rome. return, that's right, and, yeah. And at that point, there was nothing I wanted more than to be back home in America. And, uh, but as I, as I experienced Italy and I learned the culture, um, and this was after a, a, a very, uh, interesting first first month because my husband was hospitalized and had to undergo surgery and so during that time I had I was on my own with the kids to find an apartment not speaking the language and going through a lot of the um, you know trying to get through Italy and the driving and all of the you know things that you have to get through in a new country and we weren't really affiliated with the base. We were an hour and 20 minutes away from a base. So, so you really didn't have the support necessarily there of, of the fellow, you know, uh, military personnel. You're in a strange country. Um, and, and I have to admit, we Italians can be sometimes a little bit nerve-wracking. Uh, the, the stories you share of your, your first meeting with your with your downstairs neighbor were particularly encouraging. Uh, well, you know, after being cooped up in a hotel for a month with three kids and a dog, and um, and Tony was still on bed rest, we moved over to finally finding a, an apartment with a kitchen because you can't find one in Italy that has a kitchen because everybody takes them when they move. And we finally found one with a kitchen, and as we were moving in and the kids were getting ready to go to the pool because I, they, I bribed them with a, going to the pool after we unpacked, and uh, I heard a knock on the door, and as I went to the door, a beautiful middle-aged woman came to the door, and uh, I thought, God, this is wonderful. We've got Italian hospitality right off the bat. They're going to welcome me. <laughs> and she said, in broken English, she said, she said, how long do you plan on being here? And I said, well, maybe two years. And she said, well, I cannot have all of this noise on my head for two years. I, I want you to stop. And, and, she was, and she said something in Italian that I'm sure was not very nice, and she stormed out the door. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is, this is my first experience with our neighbors. So we were a little bit, I was a little bit frazzled, and so I took the kids to the pool. And as I went to the pool, I sat down on a chair and, and found one that wasn't populated. It was, a, you know, there was a very crowded and I sat down, and the whole chair busted. And, and I saw the Tatiana was the lady downstairs. I saw her smirking with another woman, and I could tell, even in another language, they were probably talking about me. And uh, then a, a, an Adonis-looking man came over to my chair, and he said in broken English, these chairs belong to people here you're going to need, you know, this is not, you're going to have to take care of the expense for this chair. And and so I decided, okay, it's time for me to go back to the apartment. And as I went back, I realized because I was frazzled, I locked the, the keys into the house. And uh, so I called my husband. He called the landlady and explained to him in Ita her in Italian that, you know, what had happened. And so uh she said she would come right over in three hours, and <laughs> so you're lucky yeah, it was that you're lucky it was that quickly. You're right. Usually it's Domani. We learned that Domani, Domani, Italian. <laughs> but uh, 
anyway, she came over three hours and 20 minutes later to find us sunburned and thirsty. And, and uh, I, I explained to her in, in English, and even though she didn't understand a word, she, under, she empathized with me and gave me a big hug. And from then on, I learned that... Um, that the Italian culture, uh, I, we learn to embrace it. And instead of being afraid of another country, we learn to, um, to, to really embrace their, their values and their culture and ended up having a, just a beautiful experience where at the end of my story, I'm back at Trevi Fountains and I'm throwing loads of coins in because I didn't want to leave this I considered home. So, it's all it's all in the, the what you make of it. And, and along the way, I'm sure, you, if, if not learning literally how to speak the language, you know, if you know how to use your hands in the right places <laughs> at the right time, you know, that, that that's the that's best way correct. to communicate. My, my father has a great joke. He says, you know how to make an Italian shut up? Tie his hands behind his back. <laughs> that's that's, I, how, that's I, how I silence my husband. You're I, right. <laughs> I, I can say that because I'm Italian. We're going to take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation. With us tonight, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Monetti, along with his wife, Penny. The book is called Called to Serve, Encouragement, Support, and Inspiration for Military Families. And, and the new book, by the way, published by Discovery House. You can find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as through Amazon.com. We'll come back with some more insights as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Manetti from the United States Air Force, along with his wife Penny, we're talking about a new book called Called to Serve, Encouragement, Support, and Inspiration for Military Families. You know, as much as we, I got such a big kick out of your, your experiences there, um, Penny, in Vicenza, the notion that... For a lot of families, this is a sad story. This is a tough thing. There are some wives out there that say, you know, when when I met my spouse, he wasn't in the military, or if he was, I don't know that I fully understood this, and he's the one who enlisted, not me, and all of a sudden we're now kind of all in this thing together. It, it really is a team effort. You can't do it uh, one person. And that's one thing that I, I've realized with most spouses is that they understand that in they're serving their country also by supporting their spouse on the home front while they're away on the battlefront. See, if there's any message we could communicate to those eavesdropping on our conversation tonight that think of the one who was in service to God and country in the military as singularly the individual who, you know, Carries the the epaulets or the the, the you know the, the military regalia or or what have you. It's not just them. Literally, the families are in service as well, aren't they? Yeah, you you really are. And the one thing that I would leave with spouses that's so important while their warriors are serving abroad is not to isolate themselves. To stay connected with family members, with their churches with their uh, community and the military, because once you become isolated, and, and the Bible verse comes to mind of 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert, your enemy prowls around like the roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The lion, when he hunts, he separates the, the prey from the pack. And that's what the devil does with, with any of us in our lives, that when he wants to attack, is he separates us from those who give us the most strength. And 
sticking with, uh, you know, with your your accountability partners, with um, good friends, that helps. And that's the same goes with the warriors that are serving overseas, that they surround themselves with a good, strong community of friends and uh, positive influences and stay in the word. That is that is what the you know the best thing to do. Tony, does that also give you a sense of peace of mind as well? Because let's face it, you're you're out there. You're right now. You're flying the the B two stealth bomber. You're going on missions and and sorties and so forth. Uh, does it give you a greater sense of of peace as you're about this very stressful, critically important job to know that things are being taken home, care of at home? Well, without question, every every warrior that, that deploys overseas is more at peace and able to focus on the mission when they know that uh, their families are being taken care of. And I can I can tell you that our government and our Department of Defense does a great job in uh, supporting our families, giving them good medical treatment, you know, giving them good security and housing. I mean, there's no other greater country than, than America on this planet, and and it's nice to know that that our our uh, government, our, our our military is taking care of our families. But more importantly, like Penny was alluding to, uh, it it starts with the home. As far as you, as a as a warrior, explaining to your wife and children and being honest with them that there's there's a possibility you may deploy at any moment, and so it's you know have your will done, power of attorney. Have the, the lines of communication open so that they know that they can rely on talking to you if and when possible. But more importantly, that to know that they're they're a strong family unit, so that when you leave, they're going to be taken care of because they're strong. Absolutely. Uh, any any words of advice that you can share? Uh, and let me start, uh, Tony, first with you. Um, for those listening right now that are not in the military. Um, you know, you're you're doing your duty. I think we as Americans have a duty to you uh, to help support you. What 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 should we who are, are, are in the civilian end of this? Uh, how can we better support you guys and, and most importantly your families too? I think uh, that's a great question, uh, Craig. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that you know when we're in uniform, people see us either at the airport or or even just uh, in town. That they say thanks for serving. I know that sounds cliche-ish, but just the, uh, knowing that you care and you're appreciated is great. And I, I can also say that if there's business people out there, um, I know times are tough, uh, but if you offer some sort of military appreciation, uh, whatever that may be, it, it just it's just special. My son just enlisted in the army uh, a few weeks ago. Decided to go in. And wait a minute, wait a minute, the, the Army, you're in the Air Force, hang I on know, a minute please. here, what happened, Tony? I don't even let me go in. What happened? You <laughs> <laughs> always wanted to be a G.I. Joe, you know? It's okay, but, both uh, both of my grandfathers were in the Navy, what does my father do? He joins the Marines. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a true joint force now, but, when my, but my, what I was getting at was Antonio joined the military, they gave him an ID card, he starts training here soon. And uh, and he went to a store and they they, they they gave him a military discount like ten percent off and he goes wow dad that's really cool that they appreciate me I go yeah see that son I go it's just their way of saying thanks so I, I would say to the listeners out there um, that that there's that's one of the things you can do uh, another thing that's that that you can do if you go to calltheserveministry.com we literally have pages of information of and Penny and I have researched of almost I wouldn't say almost about a hundred different organizations that 
are supporting the military. And so if you're interested in getting involved in connecting with these, with these organizations so that you can connect with warriors overseas, that's another great thing you can do. Of course, there's, uh, there's letters of encouragement you can write. When I was overseas, I would get letters from kids saying, thanks for serving America. I mean, that, that meant so much to me. I still have those letters of boxes down the basement and that because it just meant a lot to me you know yeah and and supporting organizations like the uso and so forth Absolutely. yes sir no doubt about it and, and penny from your perspective uh, same question well i would definitely say for those families that are on the home front and maybe there's someone you go to church with or you know of um reaching out to them just uh, offering them to babysit once in a while they don't realize that you know you don't really get a break uh, often because you're away from family in most cases and your husband is usually the break that you or your or your wife if it's a vice versa is the break that you get when uh, to to get out so just offering to babysit or having someone come over and mow a yard or maybe you know a child that is their parent is deployed and going to their baseball game and taking them out for ice cream afterwards because their parents not there it just shows them so much that that just that they're cared about and it gives that warrior on the on the battlefront just a, a sense of peace knowing that his family's being taken care absolutely. of absolutely well i love what you guys are doing again we want to urge folks uh, you can get educated by getting a copy of this new book called to serve encouragement support and inspiration for military families get more details too about this ministry how you can get involved in making a difference and helping to support those in service to our nation through call to serve ministry.com that's called to serve ministry Dot com And our appreciation now to uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tony Minetti and his wife, Penny. Uh, uh, Tony, one thought. When, when you when you talk to Antonio next, you just got to say, you know, kid, you joined the Army. Why walk when you can fly? <laughs> I love it. I promise you, I'll ask. I'll, I'll you got to say that. You know, you. Army's okay, but why okay, but why walk when you can fly? Yeah, I, I don't understand it for the life of me, but, you know, uh, I, I'm happy that he chose to... To defend America and be part of our military service. Well, we, we, we are we are privileged to have great men like you serving our nation. Thank you so much for yes, the duty sir. that you do. Penny, thank you for the sacrifice that you make in supporting uh, Tony in the job that he does for our nation and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. God bless you. All right. Thank take you. care now. God bless. Ciao. All right. Ciao. As we say in Italian, si vediamo pronto. This report is sponsored by Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Crash in Emeryville. It's eastbound 80 just before Powell. That's blocking the right lane. Traffic had to stop from the 880 overcrossing. Two-car crash in San Jose. Northbound 101 is right at the Capitol Expressway. That, too, on the right shoulder. Traffic stop and go from Yerba Buena Road. On uh, rather in Sonol, northbound 680, just before 84 West, we had a crash involving a car and a pickup. That has been cleared. Sigler canceled. Traffic still at a stop from Vargas Road. Traffic at a stop in San Francisco, too. Northbound 101, Cesar Chavez to the 8101 split. That's traffic. I'm Michael Bennett. For victims of drunk and drug driving, our grief is unique. But you are not alone. You always have a place at MAD. Call our 24-hour victim helpline at 877-MAD-HELP or visit mad.org. Streaming now on smart speakers and the Odyssey app. AM 1100 KFAX. Craig Roberts. KFAX. 
Francisco, Oakland, San Jose.